This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. glad to be here this morning and uh, very thankful for the opportunity to share the word with you and I hate to disappoint you I don't have a joke oh I just can't match Pastor Bob's jokes I'm just not even going to try but um, there, I just can't touch that it just can't happen um, but I do want to kind of start out with a question has anybody in here ever given or received a puppy at Christmas time at Christmas time. Do we have anybody? Okay, so we've got a couple hands up in here. Um, now, if it's never happened to you personally, you've probably seen it on TV or maybe have seen it on one of those Hallmark movies that Pastor Rob talked about last week, right? Um, you know, there's always the puppy. And, the, you know, kind of the way you picture it is there's this sweet, cute, little cuddly puppy that's got a big, right, bright red bow around its neck, right? And it either enters one of two ways, right? Sometimes it's in a box that it kind of just all of a sudden jumps out of, right? Or sometimes it comes running around a little corner and like slides across the floor and starts licking and rolling around and playing with you. It's adorable, right? We love that. I mean, just as I'm talking about that, or some of you are like going, oh, I love puppies. Some of you are like, no, give me the cat, right? Um, <laughs> um, sometimes that gives us those warm fuzzies. And, you know, now let me ask you this. So if you have ever actually been involved, I think two or three of you raised your hands. If you've ever actually been involved in giving this puppy as a gift, have you know it's kind of hard to put a puppy in a box and keep them there, Right? It's hard to keep, put a puppy in that box and keep them there. You know, this little bundle of joy that you're so excited about, not to mention having a lot of dog here and probably having accidents as you're trying to get it into this box, cannot be contained inside that box. You know, you can't, you can't wrap them up and put them under the tree and wait for Christmas morning, right? It takes some plans and preparation of, okay, well, maybe I got to keep them out back or I got to keep them to a, give them to a neighbor or somebody's got to watch them. And then you wait for that moment, Christmas morning, that special moment, right? When the kids are going to come down or that special loved one's going to come down. And you're trying to real quick, let me get the puppy in the box so I can put the lid on real fast, right? <laughs> so that all of a sudden he'll pop out. And you're probably bribing him with some treats or something to keep him in there maybe. Or maybe if I was to do that, I'd be like, forget the box. Hey, Rob, tell me when the kids come down and I'll put them on the ground and he can run around the corner. Right? And, um, you know, talking about puppies for a moment, maybe whoever's received a puppy in period, just in general, not Christmas. Um, three years ago, we got a puppy. So let's just show these pictures of our puppy. How many of you guys have met Jack before? This is, oh my goodness, a lot of you. Okay, this is what Jack started out like, guys. This was him at about 12 weeks old. He was about this, I mean, that's Lauren's arm. He was about this big. Um, if you've met Jack recently, he's now a 105-pound Labradoodle that is, stands about this tall and about that big. Um, yeah, there, see, that's the cuddly. That's, so that's, that's what I wanted, Rob. This morning, I was like, can you give me some pictures of Jack when he was just that cute, fluffy? But guys, here's the thing. You know, when we got Jack, and you can take that off now, or when you get that gift on Christmas, he comes around. You open him up. He licks you. He jumps on you. You get excited. You go, ah. Oh. You know, if you're like us, 
He wasn't containable. I remember we got him and we went over to Aunt Barbara's for something and we're like, can we bring our puppy? Right? We wanted to bring our puppy around. We went over to Rob's grandparents, to um, Jack's, and we're like, hey, can we bring our puppy? We wanted to share this puppy with everybody. Take it to the store, the grocery store, everywhere. We wanted to share. It could not be contained. And how do you guys know that when you see a puppy, oftentimes you're like, if I share it with you, Julia, you're like, oh, I want to show this puppy to everybody around me because he's just so cute, right? This puppy is uncontainable. It brings so much joy. And so that's my point here is that joy is a lot like puppies. Fortunately, joy's not a mess and hairy, <laughs> but joy is boundless and it's uncontainable. It overflows. And when you've experienced joy, you want to share it with someone else. You don't want to hold on to it to yourself. You want to share it with as many people as you can. Joy bubbles over and touches everyone that it comes in contact with. And so joy is what we're going to talk about today. Rob mentioned this a while ago, but I'm going to hit it again. Who here can tell me what Advent means? Two words, arrival or coming, right? So Advent means coming or arrival. And so this season is marked with expectation, with waiting, with anticipation, with a longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas, but it's a season that links the past, the present, and the future. And so like he spoke of week one, what did we talk about? Hope. Week two, last week, what did we talk about? And then what are we talking about today? Joy. Guys, because Jesus is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, he is the embodiment of all these traits. And so I want to talk first today about how joy overcomes stress. Not stress, shame. Anybody ever here experience shame? I think we probably all have something that we're embarrassed about or something that we don't like that happened or a situation. And two weeks ago, Pastor Rob actually talked about Zachariah. Y'all remember him? He talked about him in Luke chapter 1. He's married to Elizabeth, right? And so we know that they were the parents of John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist had a purpose, right, to make way for the Messiah Jesus who was coming. We also know that Zacharias was a priest who received a visit from an angel. And so let's read what he said right here. This is in Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. And it says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and even your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Now, I thought about this this morning, and I was going to ask permission to kind of make this parallel, and I totally forgot, but I think they'll go with me. Hope you're good with this, Chris. So let's catch this for a moment. Zechariah and Elizabeth, what do we know about them? They were old. Say it. They were old, right? Elizabeth was beyond childbearing years. And the couple had never been able, Chris is over here going, is she calling me old? Yes. So guys, here's the picture. So here's the picture. Because I want you to try to understand, really,
really the experience. So, okay, so we have like Danielle, and, well, she's back there, and um, Alex here. Like, okay, she's pregnant. They're having a baby. They're young. They're married. Woohoo, right? They're excited. Like, you would expect that at their age. We know that that's something that they desired. But then we have Chris and Richard's security somewhere. Chris is 70 plus years old. So let's parallel her to Elizabeth. Okay, believe me, if all of a sudden Chris got pregnant, she'd be like, say what? Okay, so I, I just, I kind of wanted y'all to get the visual, okay? Because I think sometimes we just read, we're like, oh yeah, she just couldn't have kids. She was old, whatever, right? But it was so much more than that. It was so much more than that. Um, so Zachariah and Elizabeth were old. They were beyond childbearing years. And so today I want to actually talk about Elizabeth a little bit because the story of God with us, she experienced great joy. But you guys know that she also experienced great pain before experiencing that great joy. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. You see, in ancient, the ancient Jews, children were a tremendous blessing. Let's read the scripture here in Psalm 127, 3 through 5. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them, so they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. So we got to understand, not only was she not able to have a child, but in her culture, children allowed a family to pass on the name, to pass on the heritage. Um, how do you know, having a bunch of children helped get the work done. The everything, the day-to-day tasks, the taking care of the home. Also, a lot of times it even helped the family um, to have maybe like a profession or a trade that the family did together collectively to provide. So having children was a big deal. But most importantly at that time, children were viewed as a gift from God and that it meant that God's favor was upon you. So to be childless was a source of great frustration great sorrow, and great shame. And here's the reality is that Elizabeth would have known those feelings and those thoughts for many years. She most likely married when she was a young teenager. And my thought is, because of the culture and even how some people are today, that she, as soon as she got married, she was already thinking about having them babies. I can't wait to have a baby. I can't wait to have a baby. She probably dreamed of holding that baby in her hands, in her arms, and rocking them. If she's like my kids, she already had names picked out for these babies that were coming. That she had dreamed about. I like this name. I like this name. This is what I'll call him. This is what I'm going to call her. She'd given a lot of thought to it. You know, at first, Elizabeth may have just dismissed this lack of pregnancy of, you know, the timing's just not right to conceive. Or maybe, like some of you in this room, she had probably experienced there was a pregnancy. And when there was, there was joy and hope and that she just was so excited when she found out that there was a baby in her womb. She told people that she was pregnant, but then something happened. We don't know for sure, but maybe she miscarried. Maybe she had experienced the joy, but then didn't get to have the baby here. So while physically hard, 
and emotionally painful. Elizabeth might have dismissed the first one or two as a fluke, but as many times as a pregnancy began, maybe it ended prematurely for her. And don't you know that sometimes when something like that happens, your family and friends usually come around and give encouragement? They try to just be there. They try to love on you. They send you gifts. They try to share in your sorrow. (laughs) But then sometimes they offer advice that while well-intentioned was just plain harmful. What might that be like? Well, maybe you heard something like, well, maybe there's sin in your life. That's the reason that happened. Or maybe somebody else didn't say it, but you asked it to yourself. God, is this you doing this to me? Or this one, well, when we tried to get pregnant, here's what worked for us. Which you love the heart behind that, but you're in a place of sorrow and you're like, really? And then maybe somebody just told you, you know, maybe something's just wrong with you. (laughs) Maybe something's just wrong. We're not going to talk about which area, but maybe something's just wrong with you, right? So who knows how long it was, but gradually, year after year, Elizabeth's hope would have slowly died as she came to the terms with the fact that something was wrong and that she wasn't going to have a child. At some point, she probably accepted that social stigma of the word barren, right? Without child. She's just barren. Took it. I'm just barren. Kind of became maybe shame that went around with her, kind of a permanent mark that identified her. Elizabeth would have been grieved over the loss that she could never be a mother. And I think that she probably would have accepted this loss of her status and kind of just, you know, I'm just going to accept it, knowing that she wouldn't be esteemed among the women in the church, in her culture, in her neighborhood. She accepted her fate. But here's what's encouraging. That even through all that, that Elizabeth still must have known some happiness because she was involved in community. She would have been involved in community because her husband was a priest. So she was still involved in community. And we actually know right here in Luke 1.6 that Luke describes her and her husband this way. And he says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And so, guys, they accepted the fact, okay, we're not going to have a kid, but you know what? I'm not going to blame God. I'm still going to serve him. I'm still going to love him, and I'm still going to follow his ways. And I'm going to do it joyfully, and I'm going to do it with everything that's within me. They didn't let them say, well, God wasn't there for me. I'm going to do my own thing. He must not be real. He doesn't love me. We don't see that anywhere in Scripture. But here's where, to me, it gets a little exciting. They were faithful And then God. What does God do? On an ordinary day, Zechariah was at work in the temple, and who showed up? Gabriel, right? Gabriel, an angel, showed up out of the blue with this miraculous message. It was a miracle, guys. I mean, she was unable to have children. This miraculous message came. And so Zechariah, get this. I just couldn't imagine what this would be like. So this Angel comes and speaks, and then what happens to Zachariah? He becomes speechless, right? He's not able to speak until this child is born. 
So could you imagine what that would have looked like, him trying to go and tell his wife? Like, do you think that he went out there and tried to write it down, assuming maybe that she could read? Or if she couldn't read, do you think that maybe he was trying to, I, we love like doing, is that gestures? Or like we try to act out gestures, we try to act out the thing. You know, like, could you see him trying to be like, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, could you just see potentially maybe what he, how he was trying to communicate to her and this, this good news that the Lord had just shared with him? You know, and Elizabeth, so let's say she gets this news. I mean, what could have possibly been her first thought? We'll read in a moment her response, but let's just go with that first thought about ourselves. You know, she'd been like, say, what? Are you sure? No, it's too good to be, it's too good to be true. There's no way. When she heard it, maybe hope must have kicked in her heart, kind of like a thump in the womb when a baby kicks. Could she even allow herself to go there? Could she open up her heart to the possibility of having to see if it really came to pass after the hoping and the waiting and the praying for so long to maybe not see the end result the way she wanted? Maybe some thoughts she had, I don't know. But here's what we do know is that Luke actually told us that she accepted the news probably a little better than her husband. And here's what she said in Luke 1.25. She said, how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Yes, Lord. Look what you've done for me. Like we don't see her going, but God, I'm so old. I can't do this. We see her rejoicing. How kind is the Lord. Now, here's something else we see. Luke actually tells us that Elizabeth spent the first five months of her pregnancy in seclusion by herself. Now, once again, there's no way for us to know exactly why, but let's just go there for a moment. Why might she have been by herself? Maybe one reason is that no one would believe her until she was actually showing. Maybe she was afraid that the pregnancy may end like some of the others had. Or what about this? Maybe that was her way of sharing her husband's silence. We don't know. But we do know that she was set aside for a time. And then what happened after that six months? Who came to visit? Mary, right? And we talked about her a little bit last week. So what we know is that in her sixth month of pregnancy, Elizabeth experienced a deep encounter with joy by the coming of Messiah that was actually in the womb of Mary, her cousin, right? As soon as Mary arrived, what did Elizabeth's baby do? Jump, twittered, flittered, fluttered, however you want to do it. Like there was a obvious something, right? And right here in Luke 141, it says, and it happened when Elizabeth heard heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So with a sudden silence and seclusion that she'd had for six months, all of a sudden Elizabeth's joy overflowed as she greeted Mary with a beautiful blessing. So she immediately recognized something, and then what was her response to Mary? And before we even go there, y'all remember last week how Pastor Rob said that Mary had just given this news to, to 
Joseph, I'm about to say Jesus, to Joseph, and he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> all right, nope, 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 I, I'm going to send you on your way, our engagement's over. She went off, maybe had not even really spoken to anybody else, and she came and walked into her cousin's house with just a greeting, the Lord spoke to her cousin, she knew that Jesus, the Messiah, was within her cousin. And then this is what Elizabeth spoke to Mary. Are you ready? Verse 42 and 45. Then she spoke out loud with a voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is it granted to me that, my, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the blade leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Guys, the puppy was out of the box. <laughs> the puppy was out of the box. You see that? Joy was overflowing. And in its true nature, joy was contagious. So now these two women were sharing in this exciting moment. We know that Mary actually burst into her own song of praise and thanksgiving as she gave words to the miracle that was happening through her. Finally, she was understood, she was believed, and she was affirmed. Without Mary even having to explain, Elizabeth knew and gave voice to exactly what was going on. That's pretty cool. Y'all agree? That's pretty wild. So these two women understood each other. They shared a joy that could no longer be contained. Guys, already Emmanuel, which we means, means God with us, in that moment was beginning to unleash his joy on earth. Already his joy was beginning to ripple outward to those that were around. When Elizabeth gave birth to John, three months later, we see that her village and her family got excited. Right here in Luke 157, it says, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her, what? Joy. They shared in her joy. Is that not a beautiful picture? And maybe the shame and the hurt and all these things that she had carried and how it was redeemed in a moment. So the next thing I want to talk about for a minute is our source of joy. You know, um, first of all, you know, what would you and I give to known such a joy that Elizabeth experienced in that moment? You know, the scars and the shame wiped away, wiped away so dramatically. But you guys know that that same joy that Elizabeth experienced is available for us today. That's available to us. This is the joy that was brought into the world by Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. And guys, though we didn't live way back then, 2,000 plus years ago, when he was physically here on the earth, his life and his joy are available to each one of us now. And the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Peter 1, verse 8 through 9, he said, you love him passionately, although you have not seen him. 
but through believing in him, you are saturated with an ecstatic joy. Okay, I like the little ecstatic before there. So to me, that's like taking joy up a notch. Makes me think of Zach Davis when he gets excited, right? Ecstatic joy, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory. For you are reaping the harvest of your faith, the full salvation promised of you, your soul's victory. So we see here they divide it as ecstatic joy. Some translations say inexpressible joy. Some say glorious joy. To me, that is some deep joy. Now, I want us to think for a moment. You know, this stuff runs much deeper than happiness. Sometimes I think we confuse happiness with joy. So let's talk about that for a minute. You know, how many of you would say you love to be happy? Yeah. How many of you love to feel good? Yeah. Here's the deal is that happiness comes and goes based on circumstances around us. How many know you can be really happy and then you can get a phone call and that happiness goes whoop, it's gone. And you're like, what happened? I'm now angry, upset, worried, frustrated, right? So happiness comes and goes. Happiness comes from many things. You know, a birthday party, that can bring happiness. Um, how about your favorite song playing on the radio? How about an encouraging word from a friend? Have you ever got that little sweet note or a text that's just like thinking about you and you're just like, oh. Maybe guys don't relate to that so much, but us ladies totally get it. Guys, if you're not doing that for your wives, she'll probably like that. Just send her, not now, save it a little bit. Sweet note to your wife. How about those winning the big game? Have you ever been happy when you won the game or your favorite team won? Yeah. If you're like me, guys, <laughs> I'll admit it, a delicious meal, like, I like a high-end meal, and I like some high-end desserts. When I sit down and I see it, I'm just like, oh, this makes me happy. Like, that is something that makes me happy, you know? But here's the thing is, all those things are good and enjoyable. We savor them and we enjoy them, but how many of you know that they're fleeting? The meal's not there tomorrow. The birthday party's not happening for another year. <laughs> the next game you may lose. So joy includes happiness, but it runs much, much deeper. Joy actually permeates our soul. And we know that our soul is what? Our mind, our will, and our emotions, right? So joy permeates that. So what might joy look like in our life? Maybe it is the birth of a child. Maybe it is your wedding day. Maybe it's being declared free of cancer for good. Maybe it's your loved one coming out of a coma with no damage to their brain. Maybe it's a loved one that you've been praying for to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they come to know Christ. You see, those are things that run much deeper than being happy. It's something deep with inside. And so joy is rooted in gratitude. Think about that. Joy is rooted in gratitude, meaning that hope is fulfilled, especially when it is based in a relationship with our creator. And so guys, joy comes from God with us. Jesus is our source of joy. We read a while ago that Peter called it a inexpressible and glorious joy that is part of the inheritance that we receive when we receive Christ that we get with him. Jesus explained to his disciples about his coming death and resurrection. Let's read this for a moment. 
And I'm actually going to do this in the Passion Translation. It's John 16, 22. And it says, so will you also pass through a time, so you will also pass through a time of intense sorrow when I am taken for you, when I am taken from you, but you will see me again. And then your hearts will burst with joy with no one being able to take it away from you. And so you guys, as we turn our eyes expectantly to Jesus, especially during this Christmas season, during this Advent season, as we walk with him toward the day when he will come again, we can experience joy in the process. We can experience joy every single day. We can know with confidence that an even greater unending, unending joy is in our future. So we can experience now, but how do you know, like what we experience here on earth is nothing compared to what we're going to have in eternity in heaven with him someday. And I love this. You know, a lot of you guys remember Nehemiah from the Old Testament. We know that he was the Jewish leader that, what am I doing here? Down? Sorry, I keep hearing a click. Is that better? All right. Um, We see Nehemiah right here that in the Old Testament, we know he was a Jewish leader and that his responsibility was what? To rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And we know that he experienced a lot of opposition, right? But we also know that in Nehemiah 8.10, what did he say? The joy of the Lord is your strength. So we know that joy comes from Jesus, a relationship with the Father. And the number second point I want to talk about here is actually joy defies our circumstances. You know how I talked about happiness a while ago? Happy! Then joy is something a whole lot deeper. If there's one thing I want you guys to take away today is that joy defies our circumstances. Happiness comes and goes as positive events take place, but joy flows deep, even in the face of challenges, of hardship, of suffering. Joy drawn from Jesus, God with us, sees the big picture beyond the immediate circumstance. And I bet if we sat down here, all of us could have a story of a hard time that we were facing, a trial, something that we were coming up against, that hopefully we could say, but Jesus was with me. But Jesus pulled me through. But Jesus never left me. That I could be content even with everything around me not going the way that I wanted to. James said it best right here. And we're going to do this in the Passion Translation as well. Chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. And he said, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Like, that doesn't make sense to our human mind, does it? I'm hurting so bad. How am I going to find joy in this? Right? I think it's a decision that we have to make on purpose, that I'm going to choose joy through this circumstance, through this trial, through this thing that I don't like what I'm seeing in the natural. Verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Who wants that? Yeah, but to get the nothing missing and the nothing lacking We endure the trial, right? It doesn't say it doesn't happen. We endure. We give God honor and glory through that. 
So Joy understands that there is more than meets the eye. What did that come from? Was that a cartoon? More than meets the eye. Transformers, thank you. All right, Joy understands that there is more than meets the eye. Matt, you should have had that one, man. All right, so um, guys, here's the deal. God is always working. Even in the tough stuff, we may not see it, but he is always working. He's always doing. He's always moving. God will make everything right and healed and whole, including us. We're working it out here on earth, but that day that we're with him is worked out in perfection, right? Completeness, wholeness. And because of that, we can experience joy here and now, no matter how bad it is at times, and how things look and feel. Now, let's be real. We know that a process is involved in this, right? There's a process in this. But that's the point. As we continue to practice opening up our hearts to God's spirit, as we continue to open up the word of God and read it on a daily basis, as we begin to align our thinking and our perspectives with his ways, to what the word of God says, not our neighbor, not the TV, not the news, not whoever our favorite person is that we follow, like align it to the word of God and the understanding that he gives us. We experience his spirit working within us. And then what does that bring? It brings clarity, it brings understanding, and it brings strength to trust and see and act in the joy that he provides So let me ask you this. What circumstance are you facing right now as we're coming up on this Christmas month, the end of the year, 2022 coming up soon? What situation is stealing your joy? What hurts or pains are maybe you holding on to that are stealing your joy? That are you allowing to rule your daily circumstances and situations? And guys, I don't want to make light of what you're going through because we all go through things. But why don't you begin to look from a different angle? I encourage you to ask God to give you another viewpoint and to show you the big picture. Sometimes we just see the trial and we can't see through the trial. We can't see the big picture of what God wants. You guys, you know, we may not experience a miracle quite like Elizabeth. That was pretty profound, being old. <laughs> and having, giving birth to a child that was bringing, making the way for Jesus. But in this Advent season, in this Christmas season, there is a miracle for every single one of us. And that miracle is that God came to earth in the form of Jesus to be with you and I, to heal us, to forgive us, to, <laughs> to redeem us, to restore us, to restore all of our pain, and to turn it to good, to turn it to good. And guys, this is a cause for joy, even in our darkest days. We see here, I think Zach kind of mentioned this a while ago when he was transitioning, but we actually see that a long time ago um, that there were some shepherds outside in Bethlehem that had a purpose. And, and here's actually the verse I want to read of what, what was said to him through an angel. Luke 2, verse 10, and it says, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, to everyone. Jesus, who came to be God with us, 
has brought us joy no matter what we are facing. So a couple things. Joy can help us overcome shame. We know that Jesus is the source of our joy, or should be. Joy defies our circumstance. And let me tell you this one. This is probably the hard one because we love knowledge, but things that require us to act upon are a little bit more challenging. Number three is joy is a choice. You choose joy. Now, we talked happiness will come and go based on circumstances, but you choose joy. Remember when Mary showed up at Elizabeth's house? Elizabeth was, what, overcome with joy, which then spread to who? To Mary. And when it did, what did Mary say? She sang a song. Let's read it. In the New King James Version right here, it says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Guys, that all generations, we're still calling her blessed today. Let's look at it in the Passion Translation. It says, And Mary sang this song, My soul is ecstatic, overwhelming with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. For he set his tender gaze upon me, his lowly servant girl. And from here on, everyone will know that I have been favored and blessed. So I think these are some important words that we can look at. Because I believe that the key word is rejoice. Somebody say rejoice. So the active form... This is the active form of joy. That's the verb, right? Is to rejoice. And so, you know, Mary was choosing to embrace this joy. Guys, and I mean, think about it. That's a big responsibility. You're, I'm going to birth God. I have to parent Jesus. What? Who am I? I mean, just think some of the big things that have been placed on you at times, right? You want me to parent how many kids? You want me to have what responsibility? It's a big deal. But she gave him praise. All right, God, if you see me worthy, I take it on. I'm going to honor you with everything that I did. Now, here's the reality. I think, well, I know God gives us a choice. So she could have maybe chose a little different, potentially. You guys remember in um, those cartoons or the old movies where there's like an army sergeant who was the leader and he asked for a volunteer? Are you picturing it? Like all these cartoon little army men and there's a sergeant, you know, and he's like, all right, guys, I need a volunteer. I need someone that's brave. I need someone that's willing to die serving for this cause. Who will do it for me? And remember in the cartoons, they're all lined up and in unison, they all stand back, and there's one person standing left up front. And then the sergeant turns around, and he's like, there you are. That's kind of what I picture, like, maybe what it may have felt like for Mary. Guys, she wasn't asked, do you want to birth the Messiah? Right? She didn't ask to mother God. If she had been asked, <laughs> would she have maybe stepped back? <laughs> We don't know. I think probably not, just based on her response. But in Mary's words, we see her response. What did she do? She rejoices 
she chooses joy and she focuses on the big picture and embrace the difficult role. I wanna say that again, because I think that's big. She rejoices, she chooses joy, and she focuses on the big picture and embraces the difficult role. I think right now the Lord's speaking to some of y'all specifically about a situation in your life that he's saying, are you rejoicing? Are you choosing joy? Are you focusing on the big picture? Guys, she had to endure a lot of things. I mean, being pregnant and having to go by donkey to deliver the Messiah in some hay in a barn. And then all of a sudden having to be relocated to another country because somebody was out to kill her son. Just think of all the things she felt, the inadequacies. Who am I? I mean, even when they left him, <laughs> they had gone to the temple and they're heading home and all of a sudden they're like, where's Jesus? You know, could you imagine? <laughs> God, I lost your son. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> but guys, she looked at the big picture and I think she chose to honor God with every hardship, with every pain, with every bit of ignorance, and I think even maybe a little bit of excitement. I mean, come on, my name will be remembered forever. I'm the one. I'm going to do this for you. And guys, we know that the Bible is filled with verses about exhorting, about encouraging us to rejoice. And I want to just close with a couple of those. The first one right here is Philippians 4.4. Most of you have probably heard it. It says, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And then I love it. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not just when you get the good news. Not just when you like everything that's happening the way that you think it should happen. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again, rejoice. And in the Passion Translation, it's worded this way. It says, be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let your joy overflow. Let's look at that again. We're having some joyous celebration down here on the front row. <laughs> Rejoice. Be cheerful with joyful celebration. When I think of a celebration, I think of like a party in every season of life. Guys, seasons come and go. Seasons change. Rob and I are in a new season right now. We've got three adults in our house. One, I mean... You know what I'm saying? It's like we have more time than we've ever had, and it's very different. But it's like, okay, God, what do you have for this season in our life now? We had the opportunity to raise them up while they were in our home and do the best that we can, and we're still here for them now, but what does that look like now? God, whatever it is, show it to us, and we're going to choose it, and we're going to do it with excellence. And I think all of us have different seasons and we've got to choose joy. Romans 12, 2, it says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. We don't, that, who is that hard for besides me? <laughs> Be patient when things aren't going the way you want and keep on praying. Y'all, we have a reason for joy. And here's the reason is that God is with us. And we can choose to embrace it. 
I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. But this morning, I was actually doing a daily devotion, um, and it's actually on Advent. And I guess I should have put things in my mind together this way, and hopefully I can communicate it well. But we talk about Jesus, Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. But they presented it in a way that, I don't know, just got me thinking as we were talking about this today. You guys realize prior to Jesus, people like you and I would have to wait to hope to hear from God. He might speak through a burning bush. He might speak through a prophet. But when we say God is with us, do you realize that Jesus physically came to this earth died on that cross so that every single person in this room could have immediate access to the Father. Immediate. He came so that we can be like, hey, Jesus. He's like, my daddy's right here. He got you. To me, that brought new understanding this morning as we were talking about Emmanuel, God with us. And so the question is, number one, if you're in this place today or even watching online, we can't experience this joy that we are talking about today if we have not accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I don't believe it's attainable without Jesus. So I'm going to invite you guys to close your eyes for a moment. And if you are in this place, or even if you're online, and you're like, you know what? I want to experience this joy. I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I just want to encourage you to just lift up your hand. Just lift up your hand. And I'm going to encourage you, if you lifted your hand or if you're at home, And you're like, you know what, that's me. I want that joy. I want Jesus. I encourage you to pray something like this. Lord, I love you. I'm tired of living this life in my own strength, in my own ways, because I'm failing at it. (laughs) I'm not doing a good job. And so I say, Lord, I want to receive you. I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to choose your will and I want to choose your ways over my mind. So Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Make me anew. Make me whole. Bring me peace. In Jesus' name we pray. I want to encourage you that if you prayed that to let somebody know, that's not something to be kept secret something you share with somebody so we can get you a Bible, so we can begin to walk with you and disciple you and teach you what the Word of God says. But I want to talk to the rest of us now as well. I believe some of you might have been a little convicted this morning. Are any of you in here need to choose joy instead of the shame of what's happened in your past and letting that define you. 
Some of you are letting that circumstance rule your thoughts instead of choosing joy. And that's the last thing is some of you just need to choose joy. Dismiss the happiness. Be glad for those highs and those lows. (laughs) But God, I want to be a rock no matter what comes. And last night as I was going over this, I went through my notes and I kind of felt like the Lord said, every time you mention joy, what did you say? Guys, Jesus is our source of joy. Joy is boundless. Joy is uncontainable. Joy is contagious. Joy is shared. Joy is a choice. Joy overflows. Joy bubbles over. Joy permeates our soul. Joy defies our circumstance. Joy flows deep. Joy sees the big picture beyond our immediate pain, trial, or problem. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277.